Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 67. We're continuing our three-part series about decluttering roadblocks, what you can do to overcome them, and how to create the right systems and mindsets to help you on your journey. This is the third and final installment. Today we are examining how to create the right mindsets and habits in the first place so stuff doesn't overwhelm you and massive decluttering sessions can become a thing of the past. Hi my wannabe minimalist friend and welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates and I am thrilled you're here today. Over the past few weeks we've looked at decluttering roadblocks, what they are, and how to overcome them. But today's episode is the one I am the most excited about in this series. If you haven't listened to part one or two yet, I recommend you give them a listen as they lay the groundwork for what I'm discussing today. You see, we all have mindsets floating around in our heads, and they actually play a really big part in our lives, even if we don't realize it. Mindsets are the reason some people sit out when it comes time to try something new because they think they won't be good at it, or why some people don't ask for a raise at work because they think they will be turned down. Or when you say to yourself, I'm naturally messy, so why try to fight my innate personality traits when I know my house will just get messy again? And having a messy home leads to feelings of guilt, shutting out friends because you never invite anyone over, or not living the life you dream of. And it's all because of mindsets. The good news is it's all changeable, and that's why I'm so excited for today's episode. We are going to talk through some simple mindset shifts or sayings you can adopt to help you when things feel messy, as well as walk through a few habits you can add to your routine that will keep things in order. Before we get into it though, I wanna let you know that you can find all of the show notes for today and links to anything that I mention at littlegreenbow.com slash 67. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 67. And in case you need a little motivation when decluttering, I just launched the Avalanche Declutter Challenge. It's backed by popular demand and hundreds of you have already signed up. Over the course of 30 days, we'll be decluttering over 450 items from your home. The challenge started this week and there is still plenty of time to sign up. Go to littlegreenbow.com avalanche to get daily emails sent straight to your inbox or check out the show notes for more details. If you're looking to declutter and organize your home, I hope you will join us. I completed this challenge back in June and it made a huge difference in my home and I know it can work wonders for yours as well. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the subtle mindset shifts you can make and the simple habits you can start to get the tidy home and life that you want. Let's start with the mindset shifts. You may have heard of the idea that what we think or how we feel is a choice. Now, while I firmly believe this, it can be really hard to create these new mindsets, especially if you've never worked on this before. So the idea of shifting how or what we think or feel can feel impossible. After all, your mindset is shaped and crafted over the entire course of your life. 
Things you believe today may be remnants of things you heard on the playground when you were a kid, or it could be in how you were raised and the examples that your parents set for you. Becoming a parent myself was not only one of the defining moments of my life, but as my husband and I have navigated this new territory, we've wanted to work on ourselves to become better examples for our daughter. These mindset shifts have worked for me, not just in keeping a tidy home, but in making our home a happier home too. The problem is that short, quippy sayings, well, they can feel silly and trite. We think that life-altering changes can only be made with these big, sweeping gestures. But that is not true. Subtle shifts made over time can make all the difference. However, mindset shifts like the ones I'll be highlighting today take more than just simple belief. They require effort, focus, and determination to make them stick. And that's why we spent the last two episodes breaking down those negative mindsets and the roadblocks that are holding you back with decluttering. Today is all about building you up and helping you realize that not only is it possible to create the life you want for you and your family, but it can start small and it can start today. The first mindset shift that helped me is realizing that things are not permanent. This could also be summed up with the phrase, this too shall pass. And I like to look at this with both the good and the bad in life. When things are going poorly and you're stressed out, maybe you're under a deadline at work, there's a school function that you volunteered for that's way more involved than you planned, you've got a lot going on at home, or any combination of life stressors, it's easy to get pulled into the negative and think that things will always be bad. This non-permanence or the saying this too shall pass is also a way I look at the different stages in life. When my daughter was an infant, we bought all the things. Of course, we learned that we did not need most of that stuff and could have saved a pretty penny just by going with the flow and then buying things as we needed them. But we were first-time parents, so we did what most first-time parents do. And as she outgrew that phase and moved on to the next, I was able to take that lesson with us and buy less as she grew. Now, the same thing could be said with the different phases of infanthood, like sleeping through the night, teething, growth spurts, going to daycare for the first time, then moving to things like starting school and so on. These are very challenging at the time, but they pass. And then we get over that stressful phase and we move on and then there's another one down the line. So moving on back to stuff, I asked my daughter recently about some of the toys that she begged for when she was littler. Some she received, and of course, some she didn't. And here's the crazy thing. My now eight-year-old, well, she has a really good memory, but she no longer remembers the toys that she had when she was little. Sadly, she barely remembers some of the amazing places we've been or the things we've done, even the daily things we did, things we did every day, like taking the train in the city. She doesn't remember that stuff. So thankfully, we have photos of the places we've been and the things we've done. But the point is that when it comes to our children, we as the parent are in charge. And by that, I mean that we don't have to bend over backwards to get our kids every toy that they ask for. Chances are that there are very few that they will remember in just a few years. So don't stress yourself out trying to do it all or get them everything. The kids are not going to remember it anyway. Saying this too shall pass or seeing things, these tough times as a temporary situation, it's not meant to belittle your situation and what you're going through. Instead, it's meant to help you look back on the times when you got through that stressful stuff and came out better on the other end. In those times, you grew and you realized that you're stronger than you thought. Okay, so 
What does this have to do with decluttering? Well, one of the biggest decluttering roadblocks I've covered over the last two weeks is that of other people's stuff, mainly our kids' stuff. It's super common for parents to overpurchase toys because we're trying to show our love to our kids with a physical representation. Then we look around our homes and realize it's getting a little out of control, we feel overwhelmed, and we're not sure what to do. Well, there's two ways you can implement this new mindset. The first is to realize that it's a phase, and it might be short-lived, so that you can declutter those toys soon. So like if your baby's an infant, you can declutter those toys, you know, not too far in the distant future. If they're school-aged, they might last a little bit longer. But again, this phase will pass. You can grow from it, and then you know not to buy as many toys in that next phase. The second way, if you're not ready to permanently donate the toys, now, again, if your kids are under three, they're not going to remember these toys anyway, so you could probably declutter them and, and life would be great. But if you're not ready to permanently donate those toys, one thing you could do is a toy rotation. I've talked about this a lot. Um, you keep between 25 and 50% of the toys out and you put the others away. And then in a couple weeks, you're going to go ahead and swap those toys out. You're going to put away the toys you kept out. You're going to put them into storage and you're going to bring out the toys that were tucked away. But I want to put a twist on this. Before you put that first set of toys that was in rotation into storage, I want you to declutter. I want you to get rid of any of the toys that weren't played with. And I want you to get rid of any of the toys that annoyed you too much. Go ahead, declutter them, get them out of your house. It's fine. Then when you do the toy rotation again, do it with the second set of toys. Get rid of the toys that annoyed you. Get rid of the toys that weren't played with. And then over time, you'll be able to decrease the toys in your home and your kids will grow out of this phase and then you can move on to the next one. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. 
And before we move on, there's one more thing I want to say about the mindset shift around situations not being permanent. It is that this also applies to good times. Sadly, nothing will remain good forever, so we need to do everything in our power to cherish and remember the good times, the extra hugs and kisses that you get from the kids when they pick up their toys unprompted, moments when things are happy and carefree. This is the good stuff. Knowing that these moments will pass is not meant to be sad. It's meant for you to take them in fully and not let that moment pass you by. Thinking this way has helped me remember to give more positive reinforcement to my kiddo, which helps me get more of these moments, and when that happens, I just soak up as much of it as I can. The second mindset shift is to realize that we are the stories we tell ourselves. Look, in life, there are going to be yuck times. It just comes with the territory of being human. But there are two ways to go when this happens. One is that you can play the victim and tell yourself the poor me story. It might feel cathartic in the moment, but it sure won't help you very much. The other, which is much more productive and conducive to actually living a life of purpose, is to look back and be fully aware that yes, that was a bad time, but look at where I am today. I am a better person for it. I came out on the other end. I've grown because of it, and I am super proud of myself for getting through it. I had one of these experiences in my life, and It was when I used to work in property management. I was the manager for a brand new 300-unit apartment high-rise in Chicago. It was a gorgeous property, and I was good at my job. Then, movers hit a sprinkler head in the middle of the building and caused water damage to over 50 units, our amenities floor, and our elevators. It was a mess, and one of the most challenging times in my life. In an instant, on just a regular Saturday, my life was turned upside down. From that moment on, my job went from a challenging but fulfilling career to a job that took the life out of me. I had residents scream at me. I worked super long hours and tons of overtime. I was constantly stressed, and to make matters worse, I got super nasty reviews written about me on the internet, even though I obviously had nothing to do with the creation of the flood, was working my tail off and wanted those repairs to be complete more than anyone. I could have quit. I could have let that moment beat me down completely, but I didn't. Instead, I learned some incredibly valuable lessons, and it was one of the things that tipped me to minimalism. Never did I want to be like one of my residents in the building, so upset about a rug, which they probably would have tossed in a year anyway, that I would berate another human being. Stuff just wasn't that important to me. So I completed my work there, got the building repairs finished, and I took off to Europe for a year with my husband and daughter. I didn't let that moment control my life, and you do not have to let bad situations control your life either. Now, there are going to be bad things that happen in your life, and I hope that they are never as bad as that flood, but in truth, they could be worse. Like I said earlier, that unfortunately just comes with the territory of being alive. But the story you tell yourself and how you react to the things that happen to you will determine the person you become. And just because I choose to tell the story of overcoming that giant hurdle doesn't mean that I still can't think that it was a horrible experience but I will not let it define me, and I am stronger now that I am on the other side. Okay, let's relate this back to decluttering, right? 
I hear so many people talk about how busy they are and how they just don't have the time, the support, the energy, you name it, to declutter and organize their home. I can sympathize because it's hard work, but you are responsible for yourself and your actions. If you want a tidy home, you need to create the habits, systems, and routines to get you the tidy home that you want. It's all about making the right choices and the sacrifices in the short term to ultimately get what you want in the long term. Find a few minutes each day to declutter and over time the results will add up. It's amazing what a difference we can make in 10 to 15 minutes a day. You can also swap bad habits for good habits. Instead of going shopping to relieve stress, you can do some self-care like getting a mani-pedi, going for a walk, getting a massage, or meeting up with a friend for coffee. Stop bringing more stuff into your home and resist impulse buys before you're tempted by staying out of the store altogether. Then tell yourself the story of the person you want to become. The third mental shift is to realize that words have power. How we label things makes a difference for how we feel about them. When you find yourself struggling to declutter an area in your home, give that area a purpose or a label. This will make it easier to keep the right things in that room and to rehome anything that doesn't fit that purpose. For instance, the formal dining room can be the homeschooling room. When I mention each of those spaces, your brain automatically starts churning with ideas for what belongs in each space. The formal dining room traditionally includes a table for six to eight people, maybe a hutch. It's formal and possibly not used very often. A homeschool room, on the other hand, is used every weekday, has desks or a table that is usable by children. It needs storage for school supplies and better lighting that is conducive to reading and writing. The purpose of the room changes the needs for the room and the items that should be in that space. Likewise, I prefer to call the typical junk drawer the utility drawer. It's a small shift, but it makes a big difference. Anything can be considered junk, and so it's fair game for that one drawer of miscellaneous stuff. It can get crowded and stuffed with things like you take out utensils, menus, used batteries, pens, pencils, change, receipts, kids' knickknacks and treasures, keys, tools, tape, etc., Anything and everything belongs here. Now change the name to utility drawer. A utility drawer is used for useful things. Things with utility. Suddenly your brain doesn't want to fill it with anything imaginable. It wants to fill it with things that will be useful or that can be utilized. This little change makes it much easier to declutter the unnecessary and keep your spaces tidy. Remember, words are powerful, so look around your home and see how you can use words to your advantage to create the home atmosphere that you're looking for. The fourth mental shift starts at your core, and it's all about how you see yourself. I want you to shift how you think about who you are. We've already talked about the stories we tell ourselves, and this fourth mental shift extends this from the situation that we find ourselves in to how we think about our identities. So this is a tip I learned from Atomic Habits. It's a book by James Clear. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you haven't read it, I mean, honestly, I highly recommend this book. In order for us to make a change in our lives, it's paramount for us to make a change in our behavior. A behavior change is only possible for the long term when we have a change in our identity. 
Because improvements are only temporary if they do not become who you are, a part of who you are. You can tidy up your home and declutter a bunch of stuff, but if you do not become a more conscious consumer, you'll end up with a home overflowing with stuff again. The goal is not to tidy your home. It's to become a tidy person. And in the same vein, the goal is not to just declutter. It's to become someone comfortable with less stuff. We are in control of the stories we tell ourselves, and you can change the story you tell yourself about who you are. In Atomic Habits, James writes, and I quote, New identities require new evidence. If you keep casting the same votes you've always cast, you're going to get the same results you've always had. If nothing changes, nothing is going to change, end quote. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you you listen to your podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. In other words, shifting who we are requires that we act like the person we want to become. The more we act in a way that is aligned with our long-term goals and who we want to ultimately become, the easier it will be to continue acting that way and actually become that person. We will be casting our votes in the right way. So James says that to change our identity, it requires a simple two-step process. Step one is to decide the type of person you want to be. And step two is to prove it to yourself with small wins. So ask yourself, who is the type of person who can get the outcome that I want? If you want an organized home, ask yourself, who is the type of person who has an organized home? It's probably someone who has the right amount of stuff in their home. Now you can shift your focus away from the outcome-based goal of having an organized home to the identity-based goal of being the type of person who has the right amount of stuff in their home. This leads us to the first of two habits that I want to address today that will help you get and keep a tidy and organized home. 
The first habit is to always start with a question. Making changes in our lives is tricky because we're forcing ourselves to do something differently. We're going against our normal routines and tendencies. That's why it's so easy to slip up and go back into the habits that got us into this mess in the first place. Starting with a question is a simple habit that breaks up your normal flow. That brief pause is enough to combat your normal routine and potential bad habits. You can ask questions to help you with the formation of your new identity. Remember, you need to cast votes for this new version of your life so that you believe it deep down. We're not lying to ourselves. We're just reinforcing the idea that we can be the person we want to be. And the more times that your brain feels a little win in that new direction, the stronger that identity becomes. So once you know the type of person you want to become, you can cast those votes with small steps in the right direction. It's almost like breaking down a big goal into smaller, more manageable goals. If you want an organized home, you can ask yourself the overall question of what would an organized person do? This uses the question as a guide in all of your tasks and decisions. So would an organized person buy this new gadget without knowing how purposeful it would be? Would an organized person drop their bags at the door? Would an organized person make their bed in the morning? The more you question your behavior and act like an organized person, the more organized you will be. And soon enough, you will actually be that organized person. It's pretty crazy, but it works. And so habit one ties directly back into that fourth mindset shift of changing our identity and telling the right story so that we become the person we want to be. The second small habit that you can implement right away to get a neater, tidier, and more organized home is to create tiny habits that help propel you to your overall goal. We all have habits we do almost subconsciously every day. A great way to create new healthy habits is to add on to these things that we already do. In my home, we do this with our 15-minute tidy routine. After dinner, we'll clear the table, and while one adult washes the dishes, the other adult will race around the house with our daughter to clean up anything that's out of place. It's an easy habit to establish because we already eat dinner every night, and we have to clean up the dishes. Occupying the other people in the home with the job of tidying up the rest of the home means that we get to relax a little bit more for the rest of the night. Well, at least I get to relax a lot more for the rest of the night. Oh, and we also reward ourselves with a sweet treat too. But this method of tiny habits can be broken down and used for your entire morning routine, evening routine, or throughout the day. The idea is to break down the habit that you want to form into the smallest steps and then work them into a routine based off your current habits. For instance, you might create the following tiny habits for a more organized and centered morning. So you might lay out your routine like this and say, as the coffee is brewing, I will empty the dishwasher. After I empty the dishwasher, I will make school lunches. After I make the school lunches, I will pour my morning cup of coffee. And as my coffee cools, I will close my eyes, breathe deeply, and practice gratitude for 60 seconds. Imagine what a difference this simple routine would have on hectic weekday mornings. It would take about 15 minutes, probably all told, but would have a lasting impact on your day. Added up over time, this helps you become the organized, happy, and centered person you want to be. 
So look at your schedule and determine, do you have 15 minutes to give in the morning? How about if you woke up a few minutes earlier? It all comes back to the type of person you want to be and the kind of home you want to have. So you're going to have to make a few sacrifices in order to change your habits, change your behavior, change your identity, and become that person. So this kind of tiny habit creation can be used for creating any kind of new habit or routine that you would like to establish. Simply decide what habit or outcome you want and then break down the process into steps until you get closer to that goal. So tie those steps back to a trigger habit, which is something that you already do that's well established, like brewing coffee in my example above, and the other steps will fall into place. Now, don't worry if this feels awkward at first. Most things that we do for the first few times, I mean, they're going to feel awkward when we first try them. Work through the new habits and the routine a few times and then make adjustments as you need because really your first attempt may not be perfect for the life you want to be living, but it's at least a step in the right direction. So circle back to the four mindset shifts from earlier in the episode and learn to tell yourself the stories that will move your life forward and in that direction of your choosing. And that wraps up our three-part series on mindsets. I hope you enjoyed this series as much as I did. Looking back, part one laid out the common decluttering roadblocks that hold most people back. Part two discussed how to overcome the toughest decluttering challenges. And part three finished up by helping you understand how to create better mindsets and habits to help you on your journey to a better life. I'll leave links for parts one and two in the show notes, so be sure to check them out if you have not done so already. And if you are looking to declutter your home and want some inspiration, accountability, and motivation, I invite you to join the Avalanche Declutter Challenge. It kicked off a couple days ago, but don't let that stop you. You can sign up at littlegreenbow.com avalanche for daily emails so you won't miss out on a thing. And if you're listening to this long after it's gone live, you can still sign up there and I will st- still send you those daily emails. It's going to make a huge difference in your life and I really hope that you do join us there. And then you can come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist face- family group on Facebook and you can share how it's going. I'll leave a link to the group in the show notes as well so you can join the group. It's becoming a really amazing group and so many people are joining in the challenge and I really hope you will too. Or if you're not ready for the declutter challenge right now, you can continue the conversation for this week's topic of mindsets in that wannabe minimalist family group too. Uh, Again, the community is completely free and it's becoming an amazing place to connect with like-minded people. Come on over and ask any questions that you might have about decluttering, organizing, or simplifying from others who have been there or are currently on a similar journey as yours. You're not alone, and we want to be there to help you. So let us be your declutter buddies, your accountability partners, and help you with your new identities. Introduce yourself, share your thoughts, and let us know if there is something that we can help you with. Plus, I'd love to know what you thought about today's episode and this entire three-part series. If you're willing, let me know what mindset shift spoke to you the most, and if you're going to implement either of the small habits we talked about today. You can mention it in the Wannabe Minimalist family group, or you can tag me on Instagram. I'm little.green.bow, or you can use the hashtag wannabeminimalistfamily. I'm excited to hear from you and offer encouragement on your journey toward less stuff, more happiness, and a vibrant life that you and your family deserve. And don't forget to pick up all of the show notes for today at littlegreenbow.com 67 
I will have links to the other episodes in this series as well as that book I mentioned, and you can also sign up to be part of that Avalanche Declutter Challenge. It's all on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 67. And that just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate that you do choose to spend some of your time with me. And I hope that the information I provide is not only helpful, but inspires you. And if you enjoyed today's episode and haven't done so already, please subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts and also leave a review so more people can find us and discover the benefits of a minimalist, intentional, or simplified lifestyle for themselves. That's it. I'll catch you here next week when we'll be talking about fun declutter ideas. After all, no one wants to work, but if you're listening to this, you want a clean and tidy home, so we might as well try to make it as fun as we can. We'll see you then. Cheers. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.